You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players and all about strategy, leveling up and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. They say the night is darkest before the dawn, Brendan, but dusk till dawn is here. What are your first takes? We've seen full preview season weekend. I think we've seen every card now. In fact, if you haven't seen it, Brendan, the last legendary, the last card I think unaccounted for was just seen and it looks like it's Crown of Providence, reprint of Crown of Providence, which makes you know makes a lot of sense. We've seen these legendaries be reprinted. But anyway, that aside, what's your first impressions after preview weekend for Dusk Till Dawn? I think that Dusk Till Dawn has the best art we've ever seen in Flesh and Blood. It's it's very visually striking. I know a lot of people will, uh, you know, go. The easy picks are these figments, of course. They look fantastic, but I think these these Shadow Rune Blade cards also look amazing. Uh, it just in general, it feels like a step up. Um, that's that's probably not why people listen to us is to hear the art critique. But uh, yeah, overall, I'm happy and excited. Like especially with some of the direction that was taken with Levia, but also finally getting to flush out Vincent. I think Vincent. You know, it looked really underwhelming when we saw it in a vacuum. And now that we have more context, I'm definitely a lot more a lot more excited about it. Definitely not chain. I'm not getting my chain vibes quite yet, but huh. you know, it's, it's early days at that. Um, you know, honestly, one of the most one of the cards I was pretty uh, one of the cards I was most excited for was uh, a warrior card. And then Hayden promptly reminded me of like why it sucks <laughs> in modern day flesh and blood. Um, but hey, what about you? What are your thoughts on Dust Till Dawn's Far? Has it reinvigorated your your passion for Levia? And Hayden actually used to be a Levia, Levia main. Um, it was one of our premier gauntlet counter decks to chain back in the day. I spent a lot of time on Levia. Actually, first of all, what's the warrior card that you're talking about? Uh, I don't even want to say it because I'm just going to get flamed. <laughs> it was, uh, so okay. it was it was decimated great axe. Um, oh like, yeah, yeah. It was it was you know just turning a blue into that, you know, translating your your extra blues into that much attack seems good. But then you think about it in the context of old him also having access to crown of seeds, um, old him's ability, etc. Uh, also having inherent poppers on all of the cards that pretty much exist in the deck, and it's like okay, this is nothing close to that because. I was thinking more defensive, mm. defensive warrior. Three for five. Yeah, grindy, fatigue, but you're right. It automa- It will likely automatically lose the matchup against um, Jermai, which is going to be a premier deck in this upcoming meta, most likely. And it's just, even if it does have this weapon that's, um, you know, it looks shiny right now, it gets maybe gets the juices flowing, it, it, it likely will not be able to compete with what Old Him was doing in, in the previous meta whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think though you are like I have heard that card that Great like Decimator is a card that people were excited about, and I think internally may have been a card that they were excited about. So we, we'll see. You know, you can you can change up your fifteen card sideboard effectively, right? You can you can change up your plan. Maybe you have a defensive plan and an offensive warrior plan. I like um, I, I like the card, right? I like the card in Warrior. I, it it gets me excited to look at a hero or sorry a class like Warrior and then maybe reimagine it um, yeah. in a new way. And you know, we've talked about it a lot as Flesh and Blood has grown and we've had more sets come in. But one of the more interesting things about class constructed is sitting across from a hero and not knowing exactly what game plan will take. It, it, it definitely makes it much more uh, much more interesting as the opposing player, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I mean, from so from my side on that note, I mean, Dust of Dawn 
yeah, really excited after this preview weekend. I think one of the things I really wanted to talk about in this sort of intro is this idea that, you know, LSS have focused on a set that is light and shadow from a talent and a class perspective, and we get minimal to no support for the other classes, um, which is it's an interesting one. I actually think we have a commander cookout question on it, so we can kind of bank it till then. But that's that's one of my, you know, first sort of things, because at the very start of Dust of Dawn, you know, we saw these these specializations, uh, you know, there was the Briar, mm-hmm. there's the ultimate specialization. We're like, oh, okay, are we actually getting support for everything? But, you know, this is a set that gives support for light, shadow, brute, runeblade, illusionist, uh, warrior. and warrior pri- primarily, and and those class-specific heroes, even a little bit less, you know, it is really focused around the talented heroes. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, for, as a someone who's played, you know, quite a bit of Olivia, Back in the Monarch days, I really like a lot of the cards we've seen. It's the one that's got me the most excited. We're mm. going to talk about Shadow this week, episode 117 of Arsenal Plus. We are diving into the Shadow cards and reviewing sort of our first thoughts on those. But Shadow is definitely the side of the equation that's got me more interested so far. Yeah, I think that... Um, so the reason why Levia has me so excited is because of our previous testing with the deck. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely felt like the the damage output, the quantitative output le- of Levia was a lot higher than pretty much everybody gave a credit for and Mansant was actually a bit of a testament to this like Mansant was beating Briars with that I don't know if he was doing it consistently but if you play if you played against that deck and it's drawn decently well you've been like holy shit like what is this here I've never heard of this and it's 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 absolutely decimating me and I felt like Levio was existing at a point where it just needed a little bit a little bit of a tune-up you know it needed that that outsiders or sorry that um you know the treatment that that Ranger recently got you know that if Levia got that, I felt like it could genuinely be a, a competitive deck, and maybe that's it. I do want to. I want to talk about something hidden. Um, just the disparity in our spoilers this season. I feel like mine was way cooler and way better than yours. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 I agree. Yep, yep. Oh, so, I got sucked. Yeah, some people are memeing me because I put Vincent Staple. I mean. You guys, you guys get Chains of Mephetis as your spoiler card with no context on any shadow cards that exist. And you tell me what you what you can infer from that card. Um, you know, zero for three, maybe somewhat blank text looks good. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say at this point, but yeah, that 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 piece of equipment you got, Hayden, is pretty ridiculous. The scowling yeah, you- flesh bag. Flesh oh, bag. it's actually. I think that sounds like your nickname in high school. <laughs> it's the it's the it's the uh, the fab player's equivalent of resting bitch face <laughs> scaling flashback um yeah i mean obviously very lucky to ever be given a legendary by lss you know not quite crown of providence but uh mm. i think this is a brute staple for you know for the foreseeable future for forever you know i think this this piece of equipment is great um if you want to go check it out you know our uh preview videos ours are a little bit different brendan actually gave some analysis to his card i filmed a, a 60 second bad video <laughs> but i didn't talk about the card at all i think the card is really really good and i think you know this kind of mini almost like stalagmite effect uh, that it has is really strong plus it blocks for two and kind of the thing that brute struggles with the most is these go wide decks that can really put pressure on you you know the ninjas the the briars of the world so um yeah i think this is a, a massive upgrade for those matchups for for reiner and probably for livia as well but definitely for reiner do you see intimidating with this piece of equipment, um, is it equivalent to making your opponent discard a card? N- no, like if it said opponent discards a card, that would be better because they can't uh, they can arsenal this way. So mm. it's not quite that good, but you know it can you you can use this strategically. The, the hardest thing this card is going to be when you use it um, 
and how you get the most the most value out of it. But that was the same with the card like Stalagmite, for instance. It's all about really efficient mm. use. Yeah, I guess the random effect, you know, makes it maybe there, there's definitely some cards in the game that you don't want to arsenal. I feel like that's less and less these days. Uh, maybe they just have to arsenal a somewhat inefficient card at that. But you know, I think back to the Tome of Harvests of the world and how devastating that can be. Although, you know, rightly you said it earlier, Crown of Providence has changed has changed that has changed that um, that issue quite a bit. So yeah, yeah. What what you really want to get out of it is basically five to eight damage. You know, you want to stop them from being able to play their Revlon Rune Blood into their Rosetta Thorn, Thorn as Vistra. You want to get five damage out of it, for instance, in that in that situation. So you want to be taking probably their la- like their second to last card. Uh, you know, a lot of the time. So um, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be strategic use. Anyway, Brendan, let's uh, as I say, episode 117, the Shadow Cards of Dust Thorn is where we're going today. We're going to talk through you know our first thoughts and and how we might look at start building some of these decks. I've already started theory crafting with mm-hmm. uh, particularly Olivia, but uh, even even Vincent as well. Before that, if you haven't checked out our spoiler videos, they're both up on uh, YouTube. You can go check them out. You can see my terrible acting and Brennan's analysis, uh, in-depth analysis of Chains of... Uh, what's, what's your card called again? Chains of... Chains of Mephetis, which, by the way, is... is uh, I, I don't... Uh, I think that the original... Yeah, the original... Sort of the original callback is... I think it's Meph... Mephistopheles or something. I don't know. It's some biblical thing. I think I could be I could be saying something from a game, but they all basically all these like games and card you know card games, video games. They all take from this name. So in like yeah. Diablo, it's like Mephisto. In Fab, it's now Mephetis. It's like it's all calling back to the same sort of like deity um, of some yeah. sort of old story. The MCG card is um, from I think it's from Legends. It's changed of. Um Mm. Uh, might be Mistopheles. <laughs> I think it's Mistopheles. So yeah, that's what I'm calling from. I think that those are all calling from a, an original story as well, but I could be wrong. But um, yeah, and an, a nomenclature you see quite a bit yeah, in games. Very cool. I like that Alice is doing this. I mean, I you said the figment art is the low hanging fruit. I mean, I love the figment art. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say you love the uh, art of Chains of Mephetis. Some uh, people do. That's, that's, it's cool. <laughs> World of Monarch. This is the Dust of Dawn pre-release effectively is on this weekend. Uh, so you can get down and draft Monarch. That's definitely my plan this weekend. And hopefully, you know, check with your local RGS. Not everyone has, I think, the Dust of Dawn packs. I think they had to order them separately and they could order up to okay. So, you know, if you're going to go along and you're really looking to get some early Dust of Dawn packs, probably just check with your RGS. They actually have these as prizes. But you can also get these young for uh, these foil young hero promos from the new set. Skirmish Season 6 kicks off July 29th. So not far away. Brendan, let's talk about the big one though. Ban and restricted announcement. Obviously, we had this preview weekend. Everyone's hyped. They're on their high from seeing Dust Dawn previews. And then we get this, this announcement, the scheduled ban and suspended announcement. And the big one, of course, is that Pulse of Eisenloft is unbanned, mm. Brendan. Thank God. So, uh, <laughs> Ultimate Grandfather of Eternity and Wins as well. Yeah, Sunsets into Living Legend. Uh, and we have... You know, a couple of... Like, Pulse of Eisenloft obviously gets unbanned because of that. And, uh, you know, no, not relevant right now, but potentially relevant in the future. Bloodshed Scalata, Brendan. Scalata, yeah. Don't I was going to say, don't forget about that one. From suspended uh, until Visray becomes Living Legend 2, just straight out banned. So the hopes of potentially Scalata coming back and Sonata being banned or anything, they've just made the, the change. Scalata's gone for good. I mean, the, the equipment is so powerful and obviously mm. why they've reprinted or printed this new piece of equipment for Runeblade in the set. Thieves of joy, they are. Thieves of joy. <laughs> I was actually really disappointed to see that. There's a new, um, the new Viscerai specialization. I I got really excited when I first saw it, and then I saw that it says attack 
action um, instead of non-attack action. Requ- uh, bequest uh, yeah. the vast beyond. I genuinely believe, Hayden, if this card could say non-attack action, it would be fine because you ha- it's a Scalata that you have to draw. That's fine. Like, I mean... I don't know, man. It's pretty good. It... it, it it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good, but I don't think it's it's nowhere near the power level of Scalata. I mean, you would obviously it would lead to these Viscera decks playing an, an end game plan where they arsenal this card, then they draw the Sonata after pitching it and, and effectively do what they used to. But I feel like that knocks the strategy down a peg enough in modern day flesh and blood. It would be okay, but LSS they just sure they don't like fun. They don't like fun. <laughs> well, speaking of not liking fun, uh, <laughs> bullseye braces. So there was a lot of discussion, I guess, prior to this, you know, post, well, over the last few weekends, even through, of course, the callings that have happened since Pro Tour Baltimore, the power of Lexi and what LSS might potentially hit to give it a slight nerf. You know, there was a lot of discussion from Three of a Kind to to Codex, of course, you know, one that was, I know, pretty big in, in some of the friends, some of my friends was endless era you know the power of endless era what that does for just these these kind of crazy pop-off turns um and in the end they go with bullseye braces and if you haven't seen this already you can go to fabtg.com and see their kind of reasoning they give a pretty big reasoning i mean some of the i'll just kind of cover some of the key points for why they chose to or their alice's reasoning for bullseye braces ban uh is you know with ultim rotating out some of the decks that had in alice's view adapted and, and come up with great plans or were favorable in the form of azuri dromai uh, in particular they had come up with these plans or even Azalea, you know, they now have lost one of their worst matchups. So that kind of un- unshackles them a little bit. Mm. Their other thing is that Bullseye Braces is a is one of these uh, sip sip cards, as they say, stays in play, starts in play, stays in play. So basically on board value, yeah. something that we talk a lot about, which 100% I get. You know, Bullseye Braces can be worth seven to eight damage, you know, pr- pr- pretty easily. And um, especially on these big turns, it can be worth more if you get to get the Endless Arrow back in Arsenal. So those are kind of the reasons. I think, Brendan, my first kind of take is not sure this is enough to bring some of the other aggro decks into the format. My kind of view is that Lex is the best aggro deck and it's an aggro deck that also has, and this is something that LSS don't kind of talk about in this uh, this ban has been announcement for Bullseye Braces or Lexi's power, is they don't talk about the fact that probably the best aggro deck and one of the best disruption decks as well but we've seen this being played mostly as an aggressive deck because it's so powerful mm. the need for disruption hasn't been there but this really doesn't i in my view i don't think this opens the door very much for mm. other aggro decks to come in um which is a bit of a problem so if i was going to read between the lines and lss simp a bit here what i would say is that they went with this very this very soft sort of light band to mm. lexi because the new heroes, the new cards are so powerful that there will be an aggro deck or a mid-range deck that can compete, that will come into the meta and will be able to compete on the power level of Lexi. What credence do you give that, sir? I mean, it's hard to say right now, right? <laughs> we've just we've just had the previous season for Dust of Dawn. My first take is I would disagree with that, but I mean, we, we've got time, right? We'll see. You know, this is a this is a place for them to start. This means that this is the Nationals meta that we're gonna we're gonna take on. So this is, I think the next ban suspended announcement is until uh, September 19th. So this is going to be the format that we're playing for Nationals, basically, with, with this bullseye braces-less Lexi deck. I think kind of my my other kind of critique, you know, they talk about Azuri, um, Azalea, Katsu, Tarinthia, and their bad sort of matchups into Ultim and them kind of being unshackled. I think... Even when it comes to Dromai as well, you know, like this idea that Dromai has a good Lexi matchup. I mean, we saw time and time again on camera that 
that Lexi's adapted. This is the thing. Lexi has so many tools and so many things it can do. You know, we talked about just before the ice package it can play, where it just plays a straight aggro package. Mm-hmm. We saw the the players from Hong Kong show up with at uh, calling Singapore with this package to even be Ultim with these like you know fatigue packages to be Ultim. Lexi has so many tools available to it that I think you know the kind of simplification of oh this is what the meta looked like at the end and it's gonna the Lexi decks will look the same and so there's tools to beat them. I just don't think that's true i think they have so many tools available to them azuri you know the perception that azuri is their worst matchup i think we've even seen lexis be able to build into this more like ice package kazakh ice quake and and take advantage of of what azuri is trying to do you know and, and make their game plan less viable so look it's gonna be interesting i mean obviously we've got testing before we get to nationals i'm sure people will come up with plans hopefully you know maybe prism is going to be a really bad matchup for lexi we we, we don't know so um mm. but yeah i mean that's that's what is what it is bullseye races is the ban Yep. I, uh, we talked about it prior to coming on the podcast, but I, I definitely, I respect the theory behind it, like the fundamental theory where it's like, Hey, let's knock down the premier mm-hmm. aggro deck, a peg so that we can potentially open up the meta for other decks and, you know, our new cards to come in and exist and compete as well. You know, whether this, this, this ban will have that effect or, you know, banning both sides of bracer, bracers is, is effective enough, um, to actually do that. I guess we'll just we'll just have to see the hard. Like, it's hard to really evaluate a ban in the context of so yeah. many new cards coming into the game, right? Like if it was and uh, a living legend, exactly. Yeah, the probably you know debatably one of the most <laughs> the most important living legends to ever happen. To be honest, yeah. And I just want to put this out there. You know, I've kind of said my piece to the why I think maybe this isn't the right call on the, the ban and suspended announcement. Uh, but also my, my view changes all the time. You know, I was talking to James in Singapore and. He had said that he felt that, you know, maybe the meta is a good place and he even wanted to unban cards, not ban cards, which got me excited. Tease, tease. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think at the time I was like, yeah, I, th- I think I agree, you know. And then I think now seeing Dust of Dawn, my view is after the cards are seen Dust of Dawn that I just, my current view basically is that I don't, I'm not sure that this is enough to allow other aggro decks to play and be enough of a kind of challenge to decks like Azuri and Dromai um or give them enough i'll tell you what though one one hero that does get a little bit of a buff from this brendan is definitely kano so you must be happy uh from bracers the bracers yeah. being banned i mean yeah. what about all this other garbage <laughs> in this set yeah i was like oh you should have seen the memes in my my local fab chat I was like just shitting on wizard constantly i was like okay guys relax i see you the chess piece that you runeblade chess piece and just see <laughs> brendan crying inside mm uh okay awesome well let's uh oh actually brendan you've got something big to talk about it is july so why don't you tell us about the fab fitness challenge because yep, it's so underway fab fitness challenge number two i guess we'll make this a yearly thing with july um same thing as the the last fitness challenge we keep it pretty loose because overall it's just it's mindfulness it's a mindset change and you know, it's all about just doing a little bit more there's there's no rigidity to it there's no schedule you know we're not focusing on a specific goal as in like a you know weight loss or cart it's it's just what you know, trying to be a little bit better than you were the previous month before and, you know, ultimately progressing towards a healthy lifestyle. So what we're doing this month, which is exciting, is Brody Spurlock, Flesh and Blood Prodigy. Actually lives about 10 to 15 minutes away from me. So Brody will be with, be with me actually working out every single day, which is awesome. You know, I've been doing, already been doing it with three days for him. The dude is an absolute savage, probably one of the most just inhuman people I've ever met in my life, Hayden. This guy, no, like this guy, he never asks. He never asks 
how long the run is. He never asks how hot it is outside, and he never complains about literally anything. And I'm just like, dude, does he not feel anything? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, just totally game and an absolute beast. So he's going to be working out with me every single day um, for the 30 days, and we'll be doing content, documenting, and things like that. And then, of course, all throughout the community, Hayden also doing stuff for the Fab Fitness Challenge, but also many other content creators that were you know participated um, in, during last year's Fab Fitness Challenge coming back for number two uh, but yeah you know, definitely encourage you all to get uh, to get involved if you haven't before it's it's a fun thing to do what are some ways to get involved brennan you know where can we you know if i wanted to get involved where can i talk to like-minded people where can mm. i get some support where could i engage yeah so the number one way to get involved is just to join the conversation on twitter we use a hashtag hashtag fab fitness challenge um and if you search up that hashtag you'll see all the connected posts and people um i recommend doing that if you're looking for people to connect with or just for information if you want to connect with hayden and i directly um during this month you can join the arsenal pass patreon we have a specific channel dedicated to it same channel as last year if you're part of it last year um and yeah of course if you, if you can't join our patreon this month because of financial reasons or monetary reasons you can just dm me on twitter and i can help you out for the month but we have a channel going there and you know we definitely we stay quite up to date in it yep get people in there uh otherwise i guess you know and what, what's what are your focuses for the month maybe mm. just talk a little bit about what are you focused on for the month of july so brody and i have a pretty we have, an, we have a pretty interesting schedule um we're doing weightlifting every single day and then we you know we do a bit of sauna a bit of a bit of pool as well and then we go out and we run we do this trail run out in the texas 100 plus degree heat so for you celsius people out there that's that's above body temperature do about two three mile run there um and yeah just repeat that and the goal is really the ideology behind it is that at the end of this month it's to just you really dedicate yourself to doing something genuinely challenging. And then as you move past July and move back into real life, you have all of the tools and knowledge you need to sort of implement this in the most sustainable way possible and in the way that works for you the best. But for this month, I mean, the, the goal for me and Brody is just to become monsters, you know, <laughs> you know, we're having fun with it. I mean, there's, it's an interesting time in both of our lives. Uh, you know, Brody's Brody's out of school at this point and um, you know, I'm working, much, much less, much, much less than I used to. So I don't know. It just feels really good to be able to go after that for, for a month and, you know, spend as much time as we do on it. Um, definitely not necessary, but just, just a fun challenge to get after. Cool. Yeah. And I saw you, you know, you posted uh, to Twitter about the, the challenge as well and kind of, you know, a bit of a snapshot to your journey. Um, and I think it's, it's cool if people want to go in and check and see there's a lot of people already posting, you know, some of their mm -hmm. goals this month and the things that they want to do with Fab Fitness Challenge. So it's always a, it's a great, I think it's a great community thing to to get you back into the, you know, maybe looking for motivation, maybe just looking for camaraderie, maybe you, yeah, there's, there's lots of things people are getting out of this. So yeah, looking forward to it. My, my focus is more around food and, and balance this month. Uh, you know, my workout schedule, I've actually, although Brendan, I did tweet, I've been adding, I've now added flag football on a Monday to my kind flag of uh, workout routine. So I get a little bit of team sport. I haven't played a team sport in a long time. And also, you know, just some extra. I think I burned like 600 calories in my first game, you know, a lot, a lot of yeah, running. That's a lot of running. I, uh, I yeah. shattered my nose in flag football when I was a kid. It was terrible. <laughs> actually, I got a rhinoplasty. I was like 18 years old to reconstruct all that bone. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's... That's great. That's great. Yeah. I, the, the food stuff is, I think we'll talk about it on a Patreon pod because um, it's just a lengthy topic. But for me, that's, I put food and diet 
uh, above everything else, above all of the exercise, all of that is trying to maintain a healthy diet and stay away from processed foods and stuff like that. It's just really, really important to me. Um, anyway, I digress. Cool. <laughs> uh, come on, a cookout time. We've got a pretty interesting question related to Dusted Dawn, really. Mm. And just want to say, if you do want to get your questions in for Come On A Cookout, I think we've got a couple of questions in the backlog, but we definitely have space for questions in the next sort of four to six weeks. So if you want to get your question, you can uh, drop them in the YouTube comments below. Let us know it is a question for the Come On A Cookout. You can tweet at us. You can message us on Twitter. You can, if you're in the uh, Arsenal Pass Discord, there is a channel for you to drop your questions in. This is where today's question comes from. And you can even email us at arsenalpassfab at gmail.com. <clears throat> so this question comes from uh, AJ's core. This is from <clears throat> a friend of mine out of Singapore, mm -hmm. uh, who unfortunately, you know, Alex, we didn't get to catch up as much during the Singapore calling. But this question is, the supplemental set primarily has support for just four heroes. It almost feels like a non-draftable draft set for players like me who only have the time and resources to focus on a small handful of heroes, Mech and Wizard. This set feels very meh. Should LSS provide more regular, consistent support to all heroes considering the casual player who doesn't have the resources to play the new kids on the block? Follow up question <laughs> off of uh, off of the question here: Is this funda is this a fundamental issue with the the hero centric game design that Flesh and Blood has? You mm -hmm. you have expansions come out, and you have entire sets come out where there are people that maybe focus on a specific card pool, a specific hero, a specific class that you know maybe eventually end up feeling uh, feeling left out. So here's I will flip that question and also with Alex's question here and say the opposite. What if you had four sets a year? where your hero or the class that you like to focus on was represented every single time and every three months you have to buy new product mm. to keep up or you have to, is that is that friendly for a more casual player base as well? So I think if LSS are moving to four sets a year, you know, or sorry, three, three, you know, the two draftable and supplemental or two and two, three to four sets a year, is that realistic? And I think that is kind of the, the question. I think if one set per year, doesn't offer support for a wide range of of heroes or doesn't provide you know the generics that could be of reasonable interest i personally think that's okay and i think that's a, a good way to give people maybe the reprieve from the product i actually think it's like a, it's a big risk from lss we talked about this uh i think yeah i want to say it's, it's definitely a huge risk <laughs> with uprising yeah like i mean it was uprising i can't remember the set we talked about this folks about this a lot but you know to just basically say okay there's only support for these three classes you're an existing player who plays mech you don't get support for mech this set like that is a there's a big call right because they could potentially alienate players but i think in a draftable set at least they're offering a limited play experience right this is the first supplemental set we've seen where they don't offer the support for all classes mm -hmm. or all players potentially and that that is a big call i think mm -hmm. though if this is once per year that they do this where it's a bit of a narrower focus it's not draftable and it is just a narrow focus on the heroes or talents or support. I mean, I think that's okay. I, I think it's interesting. And, you know, for the more casual player base who are maybe focusing on certain heroes, I think that gives them, you know, less things to worry about and keep up with. On the flip side, for more, I guess, maybe maybe the competitive side or more engaged players who play a wider range of heroes, it gives them something completely new to, to dabble into. So, um I don't know. It, again, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I was very surprised, I will say, when I found out that there was basically, you know, no support outside of these heroes and talents. A few things. So, 
like if we if we follow the supplemental set model of trying to support every single class and debatably every single hero, you know, if you zoomed out, I don't know how far you'd have to zoom out, but maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 20 years. Eventually, you know, if there was multiple formats, it was like, you know, all these formats were serviceable, living legend format, and effectively all heroes were legal in some format sometime, there would probably get to a point where there was so many, if, if Flesh and Blood kept developing classes and heroes at this sort of somewhat linear rate there would there would come a, a time in the future where it would just be sort of impossible to support all of the classes all the hero, heroes in a meaningful way in a single supplemental set so i think it, it, it doesn't ultimately mesh with you know how frequently we do get heroes and we do get new classes um for this supplemental set only containing you know shadow uh, shadow brute war you know warrior brute we, we talked about the we talked about the heroes before I think it's much, much more interesting. <laughs> like when I look at this set versus when I looked at Dynasty or I looked at Everfest, I'm in, my creative juices are flowing infinitely more, right? It's not like I have two to three broken cards and I'm like, okay, that just goes in my Viscerai deck. It just makes it a little bit better. You know, You've got depth. Mm -hmm. and, I would, and if we look back at Everfest specifically, one of the big, my biggest issues with that set is there, there were hits and there were misses. Like there were some big hits, like Prism got great support. You know, the Rune Blades got awesome support, like things that genuinely added a lot to the class. I mean, specifically Prism with, with the auras totally changed how Illusion is played. But then you had like Brute and it was like, okay, we got, we got some powerful cards, but outside of that, it's just like, it felt like you just kind of got left out on this set. And I, I, I don't think it's as interesting where you have a, a very deep card pool like you do in, um, in Dust Till Dawn here with the classes that are represented but um like you said i think it's uh, i think it's a risky play because i mean this is one of those sets where if you're not interested in these classes i mean they're not gonna buy it hayden people like there's there's gonna be plenty of people who just go okay it's not for me and they'll wait um and it's there's a bit of a duality right there because that could be the more uh, the more beneficial model to us as players, the players like me and you, Hayden, because we have these sets that are more interesting, they have more depth. Um, but ultimately, you know, there are going to be players who you know, there's an upcoming new flesh and blood set. They haven't got new cards in a while. They're looking for cards to go into their ranger deck or something, which I know recently got support. And they might, you know, with this set not having it and them effectively having to skip it, you know, that's a mentality thing. They might get a little bit bored. They're like, wow, flesh and blood hasn't serviced me in, in a long enough time. And there's, there's mm -hmm. some new shiny thing to go after. Um, so I think there's a bit of a duality there. If we want to look at a, another game, a game that has existed for a long time that effectively serviced, you know, a multi-class, uh, multi-class or multi-hero game every single set. Look at Hearthstone. Hearthstone did that. Every single Hearthstone set, it, it services mm -hmm. all the classes. And I think that if you want to sort of, you know, reflect on both and think about if you've played Hearthstone, if you've been a part of that model, think about how those expansions felt to you versus something like a Dust Till Dawn. Um, ultimately, at this point, I don't know which model is better, but me as a player um, that's invested in Flesh and Blood, that has access to all the heroes, has played most of the heroes, has access to most of the cards. This set is much more exciting to me than something like a like a like a dynasty. Yeah, uh, depth. I think you kind of nailed it when you said like depth versus depth versus width, and I think that is kind of you know I think if LSS are changing it up and it's going to fit the long term model, there needs to be some of this depth, and it it adds such an interesting dynamic like looking through these cards there's so many options for how you could build bolton livia vincent you know all these these heroes so prism um and you get a little bit of a sprinkle on top for some other heroes but just a little bit will lss maybe 
you know, maybe give a little bit more width next time in, in this kind of supplemental set where, you know, maybe at least everyone gets one or two cards. I don't know, maybe the generics help sort of that in some degree. But I like I say, one of this kind of set per year, I think I think actually works well in the grand scheme of things, but we'll see. I wonder how far this set was off of being draftable. Yeah, you because know, like they said, and I agree with them, it, it looks almost draftable, right? It's like, how far away are we from that? And do we ult? Like, I wonder if supplemental sets, so because it, it doesn't really feel like a supplemental set. He's totally right when you hit upon that point. It feels like a new set, and that's why it's so exciting. Yeah. I guess that's why it's exciting, because it doesn't feel supplemental. It feels like we're getting new um, new Shadow Brutes, like a new Shadow Runeblade. Like those, they genuinely feel new and fresh. So I wonder if there was a way that you know maybe we could implement this into monarch and make it a somewhat draftable set you know as like a splash and pack or something like that i don't know probably do it as sealed you probably do like four packs of monarch two of this or something i don't know um could be interesting right let's move on to the main topic it's time to talk about shadow a bit more depth and like i say this this pod we're going to cover shadow next pod we'll cover light and at some point we'll cover the the generics non-talented cards as well um first of all let's just gather top line thoughts on the heroes and where they might sort of sit what you're excited about what you're not excited about mm. maybe talk about some strategies things like that so where do you want to start yeah so i want to start with levia levia is the i'm the most excited about levia and the reason i'm excited mm. about levia is because of the flip card that comes out of the inventory levia redeemed is it yeah levia mm -hmm. redeemed and let me flip this over and it's also blasphemed levia consumed i can read this out by the way um so levia redeemed <laughs> is a shadow demi hero with four intellect eight health legendary levia specialization says action turn all cards in your banished zone face down transform into levia redeemed activate this ability only while this is in your inventory so you have 13 or more cards with blood debt in your banished zone it says cards you own lose blood debt um so before i even go to the second side hayden this is the one that had me the most interested because it's it looks like at first glance it looks like a bit of a free roll right it takes up a single slot in your sideboard and you know when you're down you know you're in the late game you've been you've been pumping the blood debt etc now you can play this card and some you can even heal off of it sometimes it seems absolutely crazy so i came into this you know into this podcast and i mentioned this to hayden before he hopped on Hayden has, you know, you, you've played with this card a little bit. So tell me, tell me, tell me why it's not as crazy as I think it is. And tell me a little bit about this number 13 when it comes to blood deck cards. Oh, look, I mean, first of all, the, the fact that when we saw this preview, these shadow, these demi heroes effectively mm -hmm. is very cool. This very idea cool. that, you know, it kind of addresses maybe some of the problems with Livia rather than just printing a new Livia and saying, ah, that Livia sucked. Let's, let's move on. This is kind of an addendum almost to Livia in a way to maybe... Uh, help Livia be more competitive. Um, the Livia Redeemed and the Blessed side, both very, very good cards, I think. And like you say, you know, one one inventory slot for these two cards. So that just to clarify how this works, mm -hmm. you have Livia Redeemed is the one card with the flip side of that card being Blessed Fet, uh Livia Consumed. That is, so it's one card. You just put that in your inventory so you can start with that in your, your sideboard of your deck when you play the game and when you can trigger the ability either the action side of Livia or the triggered ability side of um, Livia consumed you can activate you can put it into play you you, you replace your hero effectively so um, it's very cool it is hard to get off like it is not as easy I think the the way I look at it, the Livia redeem side is a little bit of a, a get out of jail free card once you kind of you know like if what Ebonfold used to be when you would uh, when you you know you couldn't pay your blood debt so mm -hmm. Levy Redeem can obviously, as an action, as long as you have those 13 
or more cards of blood debt in your banished zone, which you probably are if you're at the point of almost dying, then you can transform into Livery Redeemed and you, you lose blood debt, right? So great. And obviously you turn them all face down. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I think the 13 cards in blood debt means you have to obviously have to have a high, really high blood debt count or the game has to be quite long. So I think the kind of, you know, it's not just like assumed every game that you're going to be able to do this. I think it's, it is, you know, there's some setup there. There's some understanding of what the game state's going to be of what your game plan is and, and what your deck list looks like. So it's not just a, a like a complete free roll, like you were saying, but it, it is really good. And I think if you build correctly and you understand the game plans, you're going to be able to flip into Levy Redeemed or Levy Consumed mm. almost every time. So is is Blasphema Levia consumed the better version of this? So let me just read that out. Legendary Levia specialization. Debbie Hero four into like thirteen life. It says while this is in your inventory, when blood debt reduces your life to thirteen. 13 exactly. You may transform into Blasphemet, Levia Consumed. Once each turn, you may play a card with Blood Debt from your Banish Zone. Whenever a card is put into your Banish Zone, turn it face down. If you would lose life from Blood Debt, instead, banish the top card of your deck. So effectively, mill it, right? Because you banish it and turn it upside down. Um, is this the is this the better version of it? Is this the one you're going to be able to hit more consistently? Because Blood Debt, does Blood Debt, it ticks incrementally, right? It ticks card by card. Yeah. So yeah. So you could you'd have you could be on fifteen life. You have five blood debt in your banner zone. They all trigger separately. So you can let the first two trigger, and then before the third one triggers, you can there's a trigger ability on blasphemy. You transform into blasphemy, uh, levy consumed, and then you know move on with your life. But is it the more consistent? No, I actually think redeemed is the easier side to hit because you can always you can you know once you get to thirteen cards and you you get you know reasonably low on life, like you can always do that. Mm. this side you have to specifically at the end of turn when blood debt happens be on in the range like your opponent can understand that as well they can play into that mm. but um i think this is probably the more powerful side for a just a proactive uh, both sides are really good though a little bit more to unpack with blood blasphemy levia consumed so you have to take that damage from blood debt right so mm. you're you're not it, it's actually not a four intellect 13 life hero because you'll take i mean if you had if you had one or two blood that you know you had the amount that took you exactly down to 13 that's but most likely you're going to have to be able to take damage from blood that's not trigger levy's ability and then you're going to take the amount that would take you down to 13 then you're going to have to take the additional cards the additional blood debt that's left in that's left to trigger right so you'll likely uh, i don't think you do right because so you transform into this oh do you start banishing you start banishing you after start 13? banishing okay instead. okay yeah, yeah so yeah. I misread it. I mean, it's a lot of text to read. To be honest, I was like, it is. It is. And both these sides are a lot of text. Yeah. yeah, trying to wrap my head around it, but that—that's actually that's much better than that's much better than I thought uh, because you start milling yourself almost immediately after hitting it. But and then yeah. you get the chain ability. You know, like you get to play a card from banish each turn. Like really that is really. Good. Obviously, you can only play the cards that were already existing in banish, but you can kind of get into this game plan where I think the Livia consume side is like the super aggressive potential game plan, and then you flip into consumed, and then you have still like gas in your banish zone, and you know you're not really concerned about milling because you're just like trying to kill them at that point. Um, or the flip side, redeemed feels like more of maybe the control style, uh, get out of jail free potential side. So. Yeah, it seems, I don't know. What do you think about Demi Heroes in general? So it kind of feels like leveling up to an extent. I don't know. This just reminds me a lot about a lot of like Grand Archive, how the heroes level up. Um, and I don't know if, do you think we'll see it with future heroes in Flesh and Blood? Do you think we'll see this sort of transforming into an alternate version of the hero, which is effectively a level up, right? You meet some condition that's at a later point mm-hmm. in the game and you become uh, debatably, and I think it's almost objectively in this, in this scenario, a more powerful version of your original hero. I think we'll see them again, right? I don't think they're going to one-time print this and, and move on. It's obviously something in the design space that 
they want to explore how much we'll see it i think they'll be really conservative of how they use this at least in the start i don't think it'd be like planeswalkers and magic that was kind of the first thing i thought was planeswalkers a bit of magic mm. they got overprinted and i think there's so many of them it might be a bit more like companions if you've played magic before but <laughs> it, this well. is, it feels yeah i know this feels really unique i think and it feels quite well thought out um but i think it will be something they they use strategically anyway i mean this card's great i, I think if we're gonna for the sake of the pod getting through everything i think we probably need to move on but my takeaway is never redeemed slash consumed very good and gonna see a lot of play mm. yeah i actually just want to flip the script on you and ask you what you what got you excited about shadow what are you most excited for um from what you've seen uh yeah i just think it's the you know i i thought livia was in the spot beforehand where you have good numbers on cards but blood debt is such a, a burden and your opponent gets to almost play your side of the table sometimes which is not where you want to be in flesh and blood you don't want to let your opponent almost you know play out your strategy or counter your strategy just inherently so i think that was quite quite a difficult thing about blood debt and the way livia worked um so that kind of held held her back a bit i think now with particularly levy redeem but also a lot of the cards that enable you to change up your strategies i think it's just better numbers involved there's more avenues to explore the decks could look i honestly think levy can be built in almost any way now uh that that's that's very interesting i think from olivia's side that's what's got me most interested i think from vincent's side it's the the way to use this hero ability you know that's a it's a not a may it's a must mm. on vincent's hero ability you have to banish at the start of each turn if you can if you have the card but you get the rune chant regardless, you know, even if you don't banish a shadow card. And what do your turn structures look like? I think Vincent looks like, you know, I think it was like, oh, it's definitely not a chain like you said. And then I think the first reaction was like, oh, this actually looks a little bit unexciting. But actually after sort of playing around with it a little bit, playing a, a couple of sort of like scuffed games on uh, Telashar, they're not quite up to date yet with all the bugs and stuff. Um, this is quite an interesting hero and there's, mm. there's some cool things I think you can do. Do you find yourself banishing uh, cards that are coming in um, in Dust Till Dawn, or are you banishing some of the older Runeblade cards that we used to play in Chain? Uh, so I think the the Ideally. one of the coolest kind of one of the, co- the coolest kind of things you can do is definitely with the newer cards. Is so let's take like these two cost ones. I mean, some of these two cost ones are really good. There's obviously the Majestic cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what they're. This is, bear with us. You know, first first week, uh, widespread ruin mm-hmm. and. Uh, widespread annihilation, widespread destruction. So these, these well, destructions are three costs. Definitely delight. Four costs. Yeah, and then and then I was going to say definitely delight. That's the next one. I think that card's really good. Uh, even like, is it? Uh, there's another two costs as well, which I'm forgetting. Um, Wraith, Vantum Wraith. So basically, anyway, there's you get to banish a card, and then often maybe you don't do anything with that card. You might hold it for a turn where you want to utilize it to its maximum. You take a damage. But maybe you block out in that turn. The next turn you can still block with like three cards, banish your rune gate card that has that you can play, mm. and then and then play it. So like the widespread ruin, for instance. Like yeah. that is really cool. That's a one card, you know, eight damage. Like that is a really good place to be. So I think that's kind of some of the coolest things you can do with um with Vincent. Interesting. Yeah, I also I wonder, you know, I think back to some of the most powerful things. Well, the unassuming powerful things that Chain did, which people didn't really give the hero credit for, which was block with most of its hand, then play non-attack action, attack action, swing the blade, which is yep. now Rosetta Thorn, which is, you know, it's, that card is after. So, um, like, are you going to, is that something you, you might be able to consistently do if you're able to put that attack action, you know, into blood debt, sort of sit there over the course of a turn, you're banishing it as a, as a cost of Vincent, but then later you banish the, uh, the non-attack action, you effectively do that off of a single blue. So I think cards. your, your lower card hands are actually have a slightly higher ceiling than what 
what changed it to a degree, especially early on in the game. Um, mm-hmm. But your your bigger hands are not not as good because you don't have this inbuilt hero ability of of go again and that you know. So you have to you have to have a card to do that or creepers or whatever. So, um, but I think that's more balanced, obviously, and I think this can play well. Like this feels more mid rangey than chain. I think Vincent does. It feels a bit more like a, there's more setup aspects to it, which is interesting. Interesting. Remind me, do you remember what the text of Dimensional Crossroads does exactly? It doesn't work. <laughs> Damn it. You already looked at it, didn't you? <laughs> uh, well, so I think uh, when I look at Vincent, um, I just, you can't use a second ability is basically the problem. Hmm. So, I mean, it does work. So, Dimensional Crossroads is you can, if the first time you play a non-attack action, attack action from Banish, you deal one arcane damage to the opponent. So, you can deal up to two, basically. One for non-attack, one for attack action if they play from Banish. But if you take any life loss during your turn, Dimensional Crossroads goes at the end of the turn. So, you, yeah. you literally can't use that second blend instead. Sure. So, look, it might be interesting. It could be this kind of like reach sort of mechanic you use against more grindy matchups. Um, but obviously, it means that you, you know, you kind of have that inbuilt by being able to force through arcane damage. So, yeah. Yeah. No, nope, you're right. Live theory crafting, I think we've uh, we've confirmed it's it sucks. It's always the toughest thing to do. <laughs> All right, should we get in and talk Let's about yeah. talk about some cards anyway? Uh, I mean, the first thing I have a question for you is like, uh, I mean, should we? Let's start with Livia. They're at the top mm-hmm. of the the shadow cards, I guess. So, Hellhammer. This card is quite cool and quite interesting. I think this is the rare shadow brute weapon. It's a hammer, two handed. Uh, it's a once per turn action. Two resources attack, and this is when the combat chain closes. Uh, if it attacked, you banish it. But it is a six cost, so it's six power, so it does count for Levia. It will fulfill Levia's ability, so you can attack with this only once. Obviously, it'll go to banish, but then it's going to trigger Levia's hero ability. So, you know, it's it's not irrelevant, basically. <laughs> Card's uh, interesting. So I thought the card was bad because of the context of like this new pseudo blood rush bellow that was uh, that was printed. What is it called? Blood dripping frenzy. I yeah. just I figured that you would just want claws in this deck because I mean claws is I mean claws is after all brutes but you know blood rush bellow claws now blood dripping frenzy with claws because you can plucks but yeah you're a brute and shadow attacks so it mm-hmm. works yeah so that that's more what I figured hellhammer it it looks more like a like a blitz card if anything to me I don't know what yeah do maybe think? and I'm not saying you're definitely playing hellhammer I just think the card is interesting the fact that you can trigger obviously your your live your hero ability. By attacking mm-hmm. with it, you know, you can be in this kind of tight spot where you're trying to set up for a following turn. You've had to block out, you need to turn off blood debt. Here's my Hellhammer turn. Mm. You know. Well, I have a question card, for you. Six. Because I brought it up, talk to me about Blood Dripping Frenzy. Is that a card that you're excited about? So I'm getting a bit more excited about it. When I first saw this card, I know people were like, oh, this is, you know, Blood Rush Bellows 2.0. It's nuts. Mm. Uh, my take was, okay, so I have to pitch to play this. It's going to take up, even if I pitch a blue, I have one resource left after this. And I have to play this card. So I'm already down two cards basically before I get any any effect. And then I have to banish six powers and able to, you know, to be able to actually get this ability. So obviously the best to banish with that is like the Slithering Shadowpede, which we'll talk about. I think that might be the best card in the set for Levia. Um, or Deeper Evil to get value mm-hmm. out of it. But yes. let's just say I have a four card hand. I pitch my blue. I play my Blood Dripping Frenzy. I banish two six costs. I have to draw back two cards. Now my attack, I have two cards in hand and my attacks are getting plus two this turn. It's like I've paid two cards for plus four probably. I don't know. It's not really where I want to be. So I think it has to be on like these really big turns where you get massive value out of this comboing it with other cards. You know, five card hand, six card hand. 
um, banishing, you know, Slithering Shadowpedes and Deep Evils to make sure you get the value off the cards you banish. Uh, I think that's kind of going to be where you need to be. But, I mean, look, it's it's a blue. Blues, mm-hmm. you know, blues that have upside are always good. Blocks three. So, um, I think it's hard for this card to be poor. I think it's just going to be a lot harder for people to realize the, the ceiling of this card than maybe they think. Yeah, it's always very helpful to sort of break down the math that way, especially when you're, mm-hmm. you're talking about it in contention with something like Bloodrush Bellow. What are your thoughts about Diabolic Offering? Diabolic Offering, um, Shadow Root. Um, attack action it has star star for attack and defense cost one is a blue and it says if a card with six or more has been put into your banish zone this turn diabolic offerings attack and defense are six otherwise they are zero and it has blood debt do you think this card is good <laughs> the the first thing i thought about this card is the implication of getting it to six defense yes right of course i mean that, of course so, I, I mean, everybody that was like yeah the yeah first thing. so Art of War defensively becomes more of an interesting option in Livia, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because now all of a sudden it's like, okay, I buff my attacks and banish a thing, draw two cards. So maybe I can, maybe I'm playing Tunic. Maybe I can replace my two cards mm-hmm. and then it gets blocked for seven off of one card. So I'm up, you know, like plus four. That, that, that's pretty cool. Um, and then maybe I also get to banish like a Deeper Evil or something that I can play next turn. I don't know. D- Deeper Evil, like, you know, we are short on cards that are a six power that you can play, obviously, from banish for good reason because they would be very, very good. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, this card's interesting. I think, you, you know, you're going to be have to be careful about how you use this card. Uh, often, it's going to feel pretty bad. So, you know, it, it feels like a card that is it's very varied in, in what it can do for you. And uh, sometimes it's going to crush you, and sometimes it's going to feel really good. So I think it's going to depend on the build. Yeah, the big question is just how to turn this into a six defense. I, I agree with you. I mean, there is a number one thing that comes to mind, of course, new card, expendable limits, uh, Shadowbreed defense reaction, zero for four at blue. But as additional costs to play this, you have to banish a card from your hand. If a six or more power was banished this way, you may play it for your banish zone during the next action phase during the next action phase yeah, it's random card as well let's not forget on that true 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 not targeted <laughs> that would be this, busted yeah the card is cool though i really like, i mean all these blues that have you know potential utility things that you can do a little bit differently you know they all these deck building possibilities all these blues are really cool um you know it makes you think what is a what is a defensive livia deck looks like that just kind of pivots into some sort of combo deck that's really interesting it's a it's a cool card again this defense reaction but um you know it's not it's not the highest on my list of cards i'm excited about interesting yeah a blue that's zero for four and it allows you to play that card in the next action phase it seems really good i guess yeah that's random Random. Random. that's the thing that's 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 always the cover yeah 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 Yeah. if it wasn't random Um, it would be it would be it would be ridiculous right yeah but in the right (laughs) deck where you know whatever you banish is probably going to be good I mean, the other thing as well is like you still, it's not like you lose the defensive value if you don't banish a six power. It's sure. just that, you know. Yeah, but you wouldn't trade. I mean, that would be a very expensive yeah, defect. Two cards for four now. Yeah, two yeah, for four. Yeah, now you're two cards for four. Um, I mean, the card that I want to highlight the most is probably Slithering Shadowpede. Mm-hmm. I mean, p- probably everyone's seen and can realize how good this card is. But, you know, obviously being able to just play this off of Art of War, off of your other banish effects from the new set like Ram Raider, uh, for instance, you know, Shade and Scream, whatever it might be. This card's obviously great. Might be the best best Shadow Brute card in the in the set. Um, so we don't have to dwell on that card too much. What are your thoughts on Death Hydra? The Shade and Death Hydra. The 13 powers, a big number in that bottom left corner. It's big. And of course, it goes very well with the ethos of Levia Redeemed. Um, I hate it. Wait, how am I supposed to evaluate? Uh, the biggest question is, you know, how... 
how consistently with the new cards can Levia get up to a higher a higher amount of blood debt to utilize cards like this? Maybe something even like Levia Redeemed without getting extremely punished by the, the deck it's playing against, right? Maybe Alexi that has put in more ice, you know? I mean, that... It felt like, you know, I remember the, the older Levia decks, or Levia decks at least existed sort of more recently. You know, they could put out a lot of damage, but if they mm-hmm. ever had to take like a 50-50 or some sort of random scenario and they didn't banish that blood debt and it was a blood debt based Levia deck, I mean, it was really bad for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- yeah, I think the one thing this sets really giving you is the ability to pack your deck full of blood debt cards and cards that have six power like you can easily play i think you know 40 to 50 cards that have blood debt maybe it means you have to skimp on blues but there's some really good yellows depending on you know maybe it's a hexagon build and yellows are fine for instance you're not focused on claws um so shade and death hydra and those sorts of builds becomes really interesting as like this late game just like three card 13 play like three card 13 is huge you know but if you're taking damage off obviously that's not where you want to be and it doesn't banish for you so how are you also triggering lever at the same time also important to note is like if you Levia uh, redeemed, this you don't you don't want to play this card because your cards all lose blood debt, so <laughs> you're taking 13 damage. So don't be doing that. <laughs> consumed though on the consumed side, you know this is a bit more relevant. You can potentially play this from banish, can you- uh, have a million blood debt cards in your in your banish zone. Play this if you know for two blues effectively. You got a two card 13. That's more interesting to me. So yeah, Shade and Death Hydra. Sorry, just to recap, it's a yellow majestic. Attacks with 13, defense of 3, cost 6, has blood debt and says when this attacks, it deals X damage to you where X is 13 mm. minus the number of cards of blood debt in your banish zone. So yeah, I so think this card's really cool. I was just thinking, do you play ebb and fold with it? So you ebb and fold, um, banish mm-hmm. the card. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I think more likely you're playing this on Levia once you've Levia consumed. But Okay. Or, or yeah, you're, you're playing this in like a style where you have this really massive turn. You're like... You know, Art of War, banish something else, give go again, mm, come up with Shade Death Hydra into Hexagore or something. You know, here's my 19 damage turn. I feel like the Art of War stocks are going up right now. Sounds like it's yeah. it's it's facilitating a lot of the more busted stuff that you might be doing in Levia. Um, I've got a one one more little like little combo for you. What about tear limb from limb into Shade Death Hydra? 26 damage. <laughs> Consistent? No, and it's I think it's five cards, but you know, it's 26 damage. So mm. <laughs> any any rares or commons that you want to talk about that stood out to you there yes. was you know, there was some pretty good ones <laughs> uh ram raider definitely i think this is you know one of the the, the sticking points sometimes for olivia can be how do i get cards into banish but then also use my hand effectively obviously dread screamer has been that people played like nine dread screamer out of all helps with that but this ram raider now gives you another option you know, which is so Ram Raider, if you haven't seen it, it's a two cost, six attack at red, three defense. Uh, it's a rare, it's a Shadow Brute action attack, it has blood debt, and it says an additional cost to play this, banish a random card from your hand. If a card with six or more power attack is banished this way, it gets go again. So this is how you can go wide. You know, you again, you banish something like Shadow P, you banish something like Deep Rooted Evil, you, you know, even just banish, just, you know, you're just triggering Levi's ability. You get to come in with six and you can come with your weapon afterwards or you can come in with something like a Graveling Growl, for instance. So you might have like Graveling Growl in Arsenal, maybe red. You have Ram Raider, a six attack and blue in your hand. You pitch your blue. Ram Raider comes in for six. You banish that random card. You've triggered Levi's hero ability. So you're not going to take blood debt. Then you play your Graveling Growl. So you, you know, what you had, it's a, it's a, is that four card hand? Blue mm. thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's four card 13. So it's like, slightly above rate or on rate but it does also give you you know levia's triggered ability so it's interesting 
I think this is the the clear standout if you've played Levia before as one of the cards you're you're looking it's at good. first is a just a way to utilize Go again. Um, yeah, I mean everything else, <laughs> all the other commons here are kind of they're they're not bad. They're not bad in the ways of status, but they're requiring you to you know banish random cards from your hand. They're a little bit intensive on that end. What do you think about Battlefield Breaker? Because it doesn't require you to banish a card, but if you have with banished card six or more attack, it does get plus one, and it does mm-hmm. become you know two card eight right yeah i think if you're trying to like fill your deck with blood deck cards for you know things like the the new demi hero for shaden for whatever it might be you know you're going to be looking for these cards that can derive you some value it's just going to be how much can you make this a a two card eight that's really going to be the question because if you can't make it a two card eight very often you're probably better off playing something else um you know in in that spot you know maybe even it's so I guess it just really depends on how much you need the blood debt, how much you can turn it into a two card eight. Those are going to be the, the main questions. Because there's also, there's other cards, right? Like there's cards that can have higher ceilings potentially. You've got like Shade and Swing, which is like a one for seven that banishes. You've got the Tribute to Demolition, which mm-hmm. is a two card that can turn into a two for eight. Uh, the the Tribute to Legions of Doom, which can turn into a, a, a two for nine. Obviously, this also has to banish a card. But if you can get value off of that card in some way, shape or form, becomes more appealing like tri- tribute to the the leagues of the legions of doom i think if you're into this kind of like potential trading kind of situation of cards that's that's an interesting one mm. did you talk about shade and scream i didn't i didn't i i'm not sure about this card i, I initially thought this card was yeah. gonna be really good you know for like but there's so many cards that want to have you to have shadow paid or something like deeper at evil that i just think you know this is if you lose the card like say it's not a card you can then play mm-hmm. from banish it's not a ghostly visit or uh shadow pete or whatever then you're two card five two card five yeah yeah i think that i think that this card looks enticing at at a first look but you quickly realize as soon as you don't banish you know best case scenario it's like terrible so i I actually think this card looks like relatively unplayable to be honest i it was just i I bring it up because it stood out to me at first and i was like uh actually it looks really bad (laughs) So. I think Unworldly Bellows is going to be the better choice yeah. if you're looking for this kind of effect to go tall so that you can, you know, utilize your lack of action points a little bit better. I mean, the, the I guess the cool thing you can kind of do with this is like, you know, you can banish maybe, but you have to get a little bit lucky, banish Deeper Redeval because again, it's a, it's a, um, it's a random card, but you hit the Deeper Redeval, then you can play it off this for a two card, a, a 11 or three, I guess it's three card 11. So it's not even that amazing. But mm. maybe if you've got the action points, maybe you're on a scabby's plan, you know, you can like banish this, you banish ghostly visit or something. You get to come in with, I don't know, maybe you came in with hex girl first, then you play this to banish the ghostly visit this new hand. You come in for nine. So you're like a three card 15. Like, that's really cool, but that's hard to do. So, um, yeah. Can I, can I transition to another card? Dimensional vortex. So dimensional vortex is a pitchless card that costs three. It's a shadow mm-hmm. uh, non-attack action. It says you may play this or you banish zone. If you do, it costs two less to play. It says each hero banishes a card from their arsenal and it has blood debt. What are your thoughts on this card? I don't like it. You don't like it? <sighs> so there's, there's so many cards in the set that don't have go again. There's so many non-attack actions, shadow actions, shadow class, non-attack actions that don't mm-hmm. have go again. Fighting for action points. Um, this might have a like specific spot, you know. I guess the initial thought is how is how is this play into Ranger? You know, how can I? Um, but it is a card, so you're trading a card for a card and an action point. I just, yeah, I just don't know. Like, how are you even getting this into your graveyard or into your banish to start with? Like, is this maybe Vincent? Maybe this is more of a Vincent card. But yeah, I mean, this card is not particularly exciting to me. 
Yeah, I just wonder in something like Vincette if it's you know. I wonder if you're eating the blood bet. You're having you're, you have this card in your banish zone. If your opponent does avoid Arsling just for threat of activation, I think not because you still have to pay one for it. Just um, play Commander Conquer. You think so? Just play Commander Conquer. I don't know, man. Like I don't like this card. But. Mm. This card, yeah, I'm interested to hear other people's thoughts on it. This card got me excited, especially in the context of you know Lexi potentially being the best deck as we yeah. head into the new format. But I don't even think this is that good against Lexi, so we'll see. <laughs> I think this is better against a deck that's like specifically setting up one card in Arsenal that's like the, the be all end all of a setup. Mm-hmm. You know, like a like a Sonata from an old Scalata deck, for instance. Uh I mean, any other cards you wanna should we start talking about some Vincent cards? Sure. I think, you know, I, I my question was gonna be like, is anyone playing Flail? I don't think so. Scarlet's right. So Flay of Agony, this is the Shadow Runeblade weapon. One of the first cards we saw is one-handed. It's a Vincette specialization as well. Once per turn action, one resource. Uh, sorry, one one life attack. Mm. And when this hits, create a rune chant token. So obviously, you know, this is you no resources to attack with it. But it doesn't have go again. It's one attack. And it has to hit to create the rune chant. So, you know, the one thing I think that the reason this looks kind of cool is the play pattern I was talking about a little bit earlier, where you're like, okay, maybe I block it with my hand. My turn, I have nothing to do, but I can actually pay a resource to flail here to either buy a card or get a rune chant. That rune chant for next turn is going to help me play my rune gate cards easier. So the value of this attack could actually be around three. That, that That's pretty good. Um, it just depends, like, is it good enough, especially when you're looking at things like Rosetta Thorn. Yeah, I think the flail is better I, than people think it is, though. That's what I want to say. I think yeah. people think flail is complete and utter garbage, but I think flail of agony is actually playable. Fair it's enough. just it's it's a very different way to think about the card. I think it's it's about the value it provides for you for your rune gate for how you set up future turns and for the fact that when you have nothing to do, you know, like when you are committing all your cards for whatever reason, because you have to banish, even if you're one card in hand, this is something that you can be doing. Fair enough. I did completely write it off immediately after seeing it so i think that it's it, it's valuable to talk about you know even if it is maybe less powerful than resident thorn uh it does have some sort of use case like it, it's better than people think at least hey we talked about levia by talking about levia redeemed first so mm-hmm. i want to talk about vincent by talking about oblivion first which is a shadow runeblade instant majestic zero cost Blue pitch, legendary Vincent specialization. Play this only if you control exactly six rune chants. Create, what is it, Nareth? Nareth? The Soul Howler token. So this is like a callback to, you know, Shane Blasphemet. Yeah. Uh, Nazareth. There it is. It was just yeah. hard to see on my computer. Nazareth. With awesome art, by the way. Yes. Nazareth, the Soul Harvester, Shadow Token, Demon Ally, six attack, six life, once per turn action, zero attack. When Nazareth hits a hero, banish a card from their soul. If light card is banished this way, gain one life. So, I mean, let's just evaluate this card as if it was textless. I think that's fair enough, right? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, it, it could be good, right? If you know, back in the day when it was when Chain was at the height, Prism was a popular card, and there was you would actually place that you know that six popper mm-hmm. that if it did hit them, it would banish a card from soul. Like it's it's not nothing, but I think to fairly evaluate the card, we need to evaluate it if it was techless. What do you think about this this ally? Um, do you think it's going to be a primary game plan of Vincent? 
I want to start either forward or backwards on this card just so mm. we can kind of value it a little bit and then answer that question. Because uh, I think Eclipse was like really relevant in, in Chain, yes. but it was relevant because of fatigue because it gave you card sure. value, right? You wouldn't just put it um, in your deck, right? You, you could, right. theoretically, you could sort of randomly pull it off, but ultimately it was a setup card. Like in, and, but but why didn't yeah why didn't you put it in your deck because it, it didn't block nothing. three right exactly yeah. similar problem here but I would say that the thing with this is it's potentially it's potentially easier to set up uh, because of the fact of like a card like Rivlin Runeblood for instance you know this card could potentially be easier to set up I just think it's it's still not that easy to set up it doesn't block again it's still an instant. Um, so what's the kind of like overall value of, of of Nazareth? Then you have to go to that. And it's like, okay, like a six power weapon, which is basically what it becomes into, right? Mm-hmm. Is is good. And it means that you can do a lot of the things like, you know, you banish at the start of your turn with the card, then you can like play the non-attack action into, you know, maybe you have ability to get go again uh, off something like a Moverian Skies from Arsenal. So your rune gate attack comes in, then this, you can have some like really big, like two card or one card, or two card effective because you're banishing two card like 12 damage turns things like that but it's really hard to set up so i just don't know and honestly like you said you know this text you said textless but the light card sort of when this you know hits a hero with a card in their soul like they can just two card block it right so and they can just kill it yeah and it's easy for things like prism to kill i just wonder if you can frequently get 12 points of value out of it by attacking and then having it killed by the opposing hero. Um, one thing I would, one caveat I would do is like maybe one of the easy ways to pull this off is by like a read the runes or something, which will consume mm-hmm. your action point, um, in which case you would not be able to attack with it. Uh, do, what do you think about Spellbound Creepers as we head into this this new age of Vinset? Seems like they should be really good. I yes, think. right. Like because I think you they- <laughs> can force to keep the creepers around. So mm-hmm. it seems like it should be very good. And action points feels like the thing that you're kind of lacking a little bit with with Vincent. Exactly. Seems like the default boots for for Vincent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I'm interested to see um, Nazareth. My feeling is actually this is going to be more relevant than Eclipse to the hero as a total, but in which ways and and depending on how the builds. Because because this feels more mid range to me, I think an ally is more enticing um, mm-hmm. personally. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, we already talked about some of these Runegate cards. Obviously, you know, Banshee was the first one we saw, but I think the kind of standout is is Deathly Delight. Uh, we were actually talking last night. Dan kind of pointed this one out to me in terms of, you know, it's a, at red, Deathly Delight is a uh, two-cost Shadow Runeblade action attack at rear. It defends for three. It attacks for five at red, has Runegate, and says when the combat chain closes, gain life equal to the number of heroes who have lost life this turn. Um, has Blood Dead, of course. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, if I use my hero ability to force through a damage, I take a damage, but they take a mm-hmm. damage. I get that two life back. So, you know, you're looking at netting out at a, a two for six with Runegate that forces through damage. Like, that's a pretty cool card, I think, and, and potentially good at, at blue, red, probably not yellow. But, yeah, I mean, these Runegate cards, are they're purposely balanced because they're really powerful. But, you know, these majestic ones, I got hit by Annihilation in a, in a sort of like small game we're playing the other day and i was like this card is so annoying so widespread annihilation is the is the the blue majestic shadow rune blade action attack cost four uh tax for six defense of three has rune gain says when the combat chain closes each hero has lost life this turn banishes a card from hand like this card is so mm. annoying like it basically commits you into vincent to like just kind of blocking out the turn unless you have a good card as maybe someone like a shadow hero to banish because like Unless you were able to block out their whole turn beforehand, like they're only going to play this after they leak damage anyway. So you're like, okay, well, I'm forced to block this out now. Like you can just almost always lose value on this card. It's really annoying. This card is ironic because 
This is the actual Vincent staple. It's not Chainsaw Mephetis. <laughs> it's widespread annihilation. I no, think of course not. <laughs> this one. I think yeah. What do you think about Rune Gate as a mechanic? Um, cheating on resources after jumping through it's cool. hoops. Yeah. Do you it's think cool. it's potentially? Cool. Too, you think it's going to be? Does it have the potential to be a very powerful ability because you're cheating on those resources? Yeah, hundred percent. Anytime you can cheat resources, right? Like that is that it's is huge. We know that. Yeah. Um, but and we've seen it elsewhere, of course. But I think, you know the way that Runegate works and with Vincent's hero ability and it being harder to potentially get cards into banish and you needing these rune chants and being able to only do it basically once per turn. So that's the thing is like reduction effects are really powerful, especially when you can abuse them in in a row, like in really big turns. You know, mm-hmm. let's you look at chain, right? And you effectively could like play with extra cards from hand and you can play as many as you want per turn. The reduction effect that you get on these Runegate cards it's really hard to get multiple because you you have rune charts start the turn you come in with your rune gate card and then when you're getting your other rune charts from so like revelant rune blood is a good a good mm. one potentially but yeah. like elsewhere it's really difficult so i think it's quite balanced um i think they've done quite a good job sort of mechanically with it mm. what are your thoughts on funeral moon, uh funeral moon and requiem for the damned these uh non-attack actions without yeah. go again you know that can exist in your banish zone and then if if a hero has lost life, you may play it as though it were an instant. Uh, so I think it's really going to come down to what the, the decks you end up playing look like. But if, because you can force through this damage with Vincent, you know, you can make sure that you can play these cards and obviously being able to play something like Wickham for a Dream at instant speed is really good to create that eloquence token. That's the way that you can do some of these sort of crazier turns, you know, give your read the runes go again. Like that's pretty good, right? Yeah. With the eloquence token. So um, really yeah, if you, yeah, so Wickham for the Dam, this is the zero cost uh, blood debt. Non-attack action defense three, which is also super relevant as well. You can play it from your banished zone, and yeah, if, it, if a hero has lost life this turn, you may play this as though we're innocent. So you can obviously make yourself, you know, you just make yourself lose life, but obviously that's going to force through damage on them anyway. Create the eloquence token. Yeah, Requiem for a Damned is, I think, a really interesting card, and I think one that's going to enable some like setup for some pretty big turns as well. But also has the kind of upside of just being able to block if you need to. You can also just hold some of these cards sometimes. Like, you know, taking a few damage over the course of the game is probably fine. Funeral Moon, I think, is is interesting as well. Um, you know, this one I don't want to hold. Like, Requiem for, for the Dam, for instance, I'm okay to hold because it potentially sets up a turn, like a really big turn. Just creating a Rune Chant is way less exciting to me. Like, I want to make sure I can, like, the turn I banish this, I want to be able to play it, and all it does is create a Rune Chant. This one is, a little, you know, Funeral Moon is a little less exciting to me. Okay, so we use. So, how we. I'm just thinking about this in casting Oblivion with uh, Grasp of the Ark Knight, um, Funeral Moon, and Vincent's ability, right? Is that is that a somewhat easy way to, to cast Oblivion? That's how you get up to six rune chance. You lose the life off of Vincent's ability, you have to play Funeral Moon, you effectively. Then you grasp, you're up to two rune chance, and then read the rune. Wait, read the rune is only three. Because <laughs> I'm so used to playing Viscera. I've only played it in Viscera. I was counting it as four in my brain. That's hilarious. Yeah, so I was thinking about the 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 value of six, right, as the rune chant, and you know I think they've chosen that very specifically as just because it's it's one away from the sort of the obvious choice of how you would cast this card. You could, um, yeah, I think so too. Which was kind of the funny thing about uh, Eclipse as well. Eclipse felt kind of similar as well in that yeah. in that regard. The number of blood deck cards it felt it was like just one or two higher than you would want it to be. Um, I think though, what you a card that sort of might be really good as well is uh the the one that makes a rune chant at the start of each of your turns oh so you, yeah where you take it down jesus christ yeah, which i've definitely got the name of yeah uh but Co- that card one i believe <laughs> yeah um i can see the art on it i just can't remember what it's called but yeah like that card is potentially really good 
for you know that could get you to the six but again this is now you're starting to get these really big setup sort of phases mm-hmm. in order to just play this oblivion and then your opponent goes okay uh kill it so like it, it really depends but i you know will oblivion be free to play i don't know like i say i think it's gonna be more relevant than eclipse just because the power level and what vincent wants to do versus chain is a mm-hmm. bit more um mid-rangey for instance so yeah. i want to zoom out a bit um between levia and vincent which do you think has the more potential to to be a compet like a top tier competitive hero is it is it vincent with these these rune gate cards and being able to cheat on resources or is it levia with access to this you know the shadow demi hero as well as just you know suite of upgraded cards as well that will fit you know, right into that levy deck what are you what are you feeling in terms of uh impact and power level between these two shadow heroes i honestly don't know it's hard point. to evaluate I, I, right it's this this yeah. is not how supplemental sets usually are they're pretty cut and dry right usually we just get some powerful cards like a miraging metamorph and it's just like okay prism's better <laughs> but right now it's like i feel like we just got a completely new class. <laughs> it doesn't even feel like Levia, to be honest. It's like completely new. And especially Vincent. Vincent is very hard to evaluate without playing, actually playing the cards. Yeah. Uh, Rune Blood Incantation is the card I was thinking of, by the way. That's it. Yeah. That took sound action. Uh, I, th- I think that Levia looks like it might have the ability to be more broken, potentially. Like there's this kind of like pathway to this potential kind of like really, really powerful deck i think the downside always is the levia hero ability right so it's like you know is, is it easier to attack that's kind of the question on the flip side with vincent i think vincent has the ability to be more consistent and just a a, a better sort of player in the meta um, because mm-hmm. of this ability to cheat resources and and build your deck in kind of a more consistent way i think so consistency might lie with vincent but the power level might lie with uh with livia interesting any other vincent cards you want to talk about um Let's. I want to talk about some shadow cards quickly, not Vincent cards, just okay. kind of in the broad spectrum of things. Shrouds. So these are the shadow equipments. If you haven't seen them, they have blood debt. They don't defend for anything, but they say if your hero would be dealt damage, you may just banish them to prevent two of that damage. There's a there's a shroud, there's a cloak, there's a grasp, um, there's a dance of darkness. So head, head, chest, feet, arms, basically. Uh, I think the grasp of darkness is really interesting in Livia in particular because you don't have a great arm spot outside of. Mm-hmm gamblers and if you're gonna be on a who's plan then this is basically a, a two defense card this is a blade break two almost right that's that's pretty cool uh and, it, and it's a blood deck card that can fuel mm. things that you Helps might need. get levia redeemed as well we talked about 13 mm-hmm. being a little too much and yeah yep uh so that, that those cards are really interesting to me and sort of their widespread appeal of you know they can uh, they can stop arcane damage as well brennan so they're kind of like spell void a little <laughs> i bit <as> realized well. <laughs> i realized that <laughs> Uh, it's not attack damage so they can kind of act like yeah spell void basically as well so you know that card's pretty good um dabble in darkness this is the zero for five again some really interesting art on this card it's a majestic zero for five defense for three attack action shadow attack action has blood debt and it says when this attacks banish the top card of your deck this gets minus x attack where x is the pitch value of the card banished this way uh this card looks like it could be you know it's like oh it's is it it's called Dabble in Darkness. Is this the uh, rabble, you know, uh, sort of thing? But yeah, doesn't yeah. go again. Feels worse. I know it blocks for three, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan of this card. Yeah. So the, the card's interesting. I think there might be some applications with Levia consumed, though. Uh, and then Hungering Demi Gone is like 
this feels like the card they were like, okay, let's just make sure we got a card that, that both the Shadow decks can play to really piss off Prism players. Uh, so it's a two for six at red, defense for three, and has Blood Debt, and says if an opposing hero has one or more cards in their soul, you may play this from your Banish Zone, and when it hits a hero, banish a card from their soul. Uh, card's pretty good, I think. <sighs> yeah. I just... You know, is it going to be as niche as the last time we saw one of these cards be playable and it was actually a shadow attack action? Um, yeah. I think it'll be. Yeah, I, f- I have a hard time seeing people actually having space to include this in their deck unless, like, one of the light heroes is, like, actually disgustingly broken. <laughs> like, just overwhelmingly the best deck. Um, there's, there's two other cards I want to quickly touch on. That's Beseech the Demigon oh and my Tear God. Through the Portal. I'm so happy so, we're talking about Beseech the Demigon. Okay. Go ahead. I'll just quickly read them. So they're, they're both shadow non-attack actions. They both cost zero. I'm going to read the red for each. So Beseech the Demigon is choose an attack action card in your banish zone. It gets plus three attack and turn turn has go again and tear through the portal at red is choose a red action card in your banish zone. It gets go again until the end of turn and the card has go again itself. That goes down yellow and blue. Each mm-hmm. do the color representative. What do you think of these cards? I think tear through the portal is a good card could you just play you know lead the charge could you just play lead the charge yep (laughs) (laughs) so that's my question like i I think this card on the surface why does that always happen um (sighs) but they're shadow which is not that's irrelevant i literally just scrolled up (laughs) i literally scrolled up and i was like okay why do we want this to be shadow (laughs) (laughs) but I think sensibility. There we go. Yeah. So the fact that Shadow is, is interesting. Um, they also, it's like nimbleism. Like the Beseech is like nimbleism, except mm-hmm. there's no downside on it. Doesn't have to be a one cost or anything. Same with Tear Through the Portal. There's no like resource constraint, like cost constraint rather. It's just the color constraint of the cards. So like these cards are slightly better potentially um, because of the the constraint they have on them. So it might work out better in some decks potentially. So it's it's hard. Like you know, for instance, um, Captain's Call doesn't work on you know three costs whereas this card can work on a three cost to give go again um, it seems to work on it yeah it seems yeah i mean that card seems playable mm-hmm. yeah so we'll see i just think they're interesting cards and i i think we might see them in some way shape or form because of the the flexibility they have even though they look really specific because of banish zone they actually have a lot more flexibility i think because of the fact they don't have these constraints on what the card that you can target is as much mm-hmm how much we'll do you think you're going to be playing cards like like Riftbind um, in Vincent? Like these old cards that can sit in, sit in your banish zone. You know, you can banish them with instability and utilize them at a later time. So I could be completely wrong here and I'm open to it. Like if only, as I say, just kind of from theory crafting and, and looking at the cards and sort of, you know, goldfishing a couple of games, things like that. Vincent is not chain. You are okay. not doing these kind of crazy big combat chains like you were. And again, could could be wrong. My interpretation of what this hero is going to look like is more value-based. It's more about as this kind of what you might call like a mid-range game. So I think a card like Refine is much less exciting. You're much more interested in room gate cards and non-attack actions that can gain you value. So I think even Seeds of Agony is like, how good is that card? So yeah, I, I think it's, it's like I say, it's not a chain. Yeah, Seeds of Agony doesn't get me too excited to be honest it's more about no. parking attack actions down there with uh, like i mean how from beyond is also something that gets me probably the most excited 
that got him more excited about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any other uh, any other brute cards? Maybe the sort of generic brute cards or the replay cards you want to talk about? I mean, we talked about it a little bit at the start of the show, but uh, Bequest the Vest Beyond the Viscera Specialization, which is Scalata on a card um, that blocks for two, costs wow. zero. It's not though, is it? But <laughs> yes, there was a comma there, by the way. But it only hits attack actions. Uh, I, I genuinely believe that this card would have been powerful, but still balanced if it said not attack actions. Because Scalata, Scalata that you have to draw is still a great card, but not busted. Uh, I digress. Hayden, do you see yourself playing Bequest of Vast Beyond? Like, I, I see Bequest of Vast Beyond as like something you're playing like very mid-rangey, right? To maybe reduce something down by like two, not where you're like trying to cheat out a ninth blade or something mm-hmm. consistently with this. What do you think? Yeah, it's hard. So, like, if you played this on and you wanted to play, say, like, a three-cost attack, it doesn't matter what three-cost attack is, I can't, you know, think of one specifically, but let's say it's a three-cost attack that doesn't already have reduction. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you play this, it's going to create half a room chance for you, right? Which is, that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you have two room chance, so you can make the thing cost one less. Sorry, two less, so it only costs one. You know, this card isn't completely terrible. You've gotten some, like, reasonable value out of it, but could it have been better as just, like, a blue three block is kind of the question at that point. So, um, I don't know. This one's interesting. I'm, I'm keen to see, like, ways people might be able to make this work. Maybe there are some really cool stuff. You, I mean, you can double reduce on something like Ninth Blade with this. It's the same way Scalata worked. So, you know, you get to four rune chance and now it costs one with this card, for instance. Like, that. that's <laughs> that's potentially quite cool. But uh, the last thing I want to say is... I th- the card I'm more interested in is Runic Reckoning. Okay, yeah. This card, I think this card is really good. So yeah. this is the uh, Runeblade action. It defends three, first of all, which is great for a Runeblade non-attack action. It costs one. That's Majestic at Red. It says this costs one less to play for each Rune Chant you control. And the next Runeblade attack action card you get, you play this turn, gets plus three. This is like Nimbleism plus, plus, plus. Like, this card is so good. Good right, too? Because you'll yep, pretty much always have that Viserai. Yeah, Viserai, Viserai is like a pretty... Viserai, it makes a lot of sense because you're going to have that singular yeah. rune chant a lot. <laughs> but Vincent also creates that rune chant pretty much off mm-hmm. of that. So this is just consistently a zero for three. For Let's three. go again. The blocks for three, which doesn't exist. Yep. I think this card is really, really good. So I'm excited to to play a bit of uh, Rune Blade. Is this the most obviously powerful card in the set? I think it might be. <laughs> like uh, I think this might be the the clearest like slot in and just like it's the, know, it's the card that's like a clear upgrade, right? Like that is feels like an Everfest card. You know, it feels like a like a Revel and Rune Blood or Miraging Metamorph. It's just like, yes, this just goes in my decks. It's great. Um yeah. Car- Carapace is up there as well. So this is the the uh Deidic Carapace, which is the Rune Blade equipment chest that has yeah. I can bear it to temper and defense for two. That they really is very good. Pumped the uh the Rune Blade just anti wizard yeah. stuff. Like they are they really are, don't want to play Kano now. <laughs> they are so. equipped. Oh, Jesus christ what about these brute cards i mean we talked about your your headpiece but anything to talk about in regards to numbskull or dig up for dinner and i know i know rugged roller probably just pisses you off <laughs> i mean rugged roller is what it is right like yeah. chuck it in your ko deck enjoy uh numbskull is really interesting and i think it's a sideboard card it's really good against ice in particular it's really good against ice eternal uh because it doesn't you know you can pop all those frostbites and it only costs you two resources um but I mean, where is this going to find a spot? I don't really know. It's I, I honestly, my first take is like Icelander and Lexi against those decks, and other than that, I'm I'm not sure. Even if it's even against Lexi, if it's going to find enough spot, unless decks go really heavy ice. Dig up for dinner. People are really excited about this card. Interesting. I think it's I think it's kind of whatever because I my deck like too much. I don't know. 
Well, yeah, so it costs one. You get to shuffle up to three cards back into your deck. Has go again, which is important. And for each card with six more attack, you gain a life, right? And you banish the card. But my kind of problem with this is like, my blues are really competing. Like, first of all, I need six attacks in my deck. So any blue I play that's not a six attack, obviously, is it needs to be really, really good and add value. And I just think in Reinar, I want those to be Intimidate cards. And in Levia, I want those to be probably Blood Deck cards. So, yeah, I'm not sure on this card. But, you know, people seem to be high on it. So we'll, we'll see. I've been a bit lower on it. Hard to evaluate. Um, it's been a while since I've played Brute. I haven't played Brute into the current meta. Most people haven't to be honest so it's like is this a card that you can effectively utilize does it does it make sense to play this over some of your other blues because like you said it's a it's very competitive for that slot i think ultimately it's a it could be a decent sideboard slot yeah we'll see look i mean there's so many cards we didn't even get to cover in this we're just trying to give it you know like i haven't both of us haven't had a chance to dive fully into this but we wanted to give some views of shadow cards the brute cards the runeblade cards and kind of where we see starting with vincent and also starting with livia i'm excited to brew more with them we're going to do some brewing with some light heroes this week as well so that next week we can talk about prism and bolton um i mean there's a lot of cards in this set and you know like we said it's depth versus width so there's a lot of things to potentially cover and, and there's so many scenarios of what decks could look like what strategies could look like so you know what we definitely haven't covered everything here we've definitely missed stuff we probably have got some stuff a little bit wrong but i think some of my base thoughts on Levia and Vincent, in particular, some of the things that we just talked about, Brendan. I think uh, you know we've we've got some, some good takes that people can maybe start to to, to play around with uh, in the coming weeks. Mm. Start to build some some Livia and Vincent decks. Yeah, so let us know where we're wrong in the comments below. I also want to hear <laughs> your opinion on the set design of Dust Till Dawn versus the set design of Dynasty Everfest, etc. Like, what do you like more as a player? And then maybe add a little note in there. And what kind of player you are? are you a casual player, armory player, PT player? Etc. I'm just I'm really interested because it's it's a huge pivot and uh, yeah I mean the success or failure of this set I think will determine the future design of flesh and blood mm -hmm. supplemental sets. Agree. Awesome. Well, uh, that's it for me and Brendan this week. Episode 117 of Arsenal Pass. We're gonna change up roles here a little bit. We are both on Twitter, Brendan APG over there, and I am at Fian underscore Dale. Come and join the discourse for Fab Fitness Challenge. Very, very excited about it. Also, you can get involved in the Flesh and Blood, sorry, the Arsenal Pass Discord as well as Twitter. Uh, we have Light coming next week on the pod, and we'll have a few things coming up on Patreon this month as well around Monarch with Draft, kicking to full swing, plus some early decks that we're looking at for this format mm -hmm. can't wait till next week yeah thank you all so much see you next week